0: Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable
0: moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection,
1: I
0: needed to make myself better, I needed a strategy to get better and I thought there was such a thing, I thought I could do kind of A plus B plus C equals wellness and in order to do that I I kind of read and watched and listened to as much information as I had to hand at that time, you know, bearing in mind this is about six years ago, about mental health and at that time everything was really, really boring.
1: It's mentally yours from man and underhead. I focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret it's
2: mentally, 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 mentally yours, mentally yours, mentally yours. Mentally yours. Welcome to mentally yours, Metro.cody K's weekly podcast about all things mental health. I'm Ellen, and today we're talking to Michelle Thomas about her new book, My Shit Therapist.
0: My Shit Therapist came about, predictably enough, when I went to see a shit therapist. When I was um, having a really hard time, I had my first and only, such word, major depressive episode, and it's a really really frightening time um and you feel utterly vulnerable um because you're when you wake up one day and it just seems like your brain has stopped working now now I know looking back that I had the signs of really terrible depression and anxiety for about two to three months before that point but I kept just telling myself that I was tired and kind of doing that thing where you just push things to one side and go up fine because you know the weekend's coming and then Christmas is coming and I'll have a holiday and I'm just stressed at work I'm just on my period I just need to eat better and all of these excuses that we make so that we don't have to think about our own health in particular about our mental health and eventually that stopped working I started crying one day and couldn't stop and my brain went you're not going anywhere or doing anything you're going to just go to bed and cry because that's what you need to do now so I did that for a bit and when that happened I needed to I, I needed to make myself better. I needed a strategy. To get better and I thought there was such a thing I thought I could do kind of A plus B plus C equals wellness and in order to do that I, I kind of read and watched and listened to as much information as I had to hand at that time you know bearing in mind this is about six years ago about mental health and at that time everything was really really boring it was really dry it was really um, it was you had to use this kind of special tone Um, when you're talking about mental health because it's very very serious Um, so everything was very dry and earnest and and that frightened me more because I couldn't find anything that that kind of mimics the conversations that I was having and still have to this day with my friends about our mental health, which is, you know, we might send a text going, oh, mate, I had a really shitty anxiety dream last night and I feel really um, I feel really unnerved about it today and I can't get it out of my mind. And your friend will go, right, okay, well, have you ticked off, you know, look at the basics, have you eaten, have you slept? are you hungover? Are you on your period? And it's this, um, so yeah, I wanted to write something that mimicked that really down-to-earth, friendly, yeah, matey
2: sort of vibe. That's something that's so needed, because I think when you are feeling awful, the first thing you do is Google, and then yeah. all you get is just a NHS list of symptoms, which yeah, is not absolutely. that helpful.
0: Yeah. And, and it is, you know, it's kind of, you know, well, you might just be a bit depressed. You might be a bit tired. You might have diabetes or you might have bipolar disorder. Who knows? Who knows? Um, or you're so, dying
2: because you could, if you Google it, you're always dying. Yeah. It's um, great fun.
0: The, the other thing as well, which I think is really important, is that... A lot of the the stuff that I was reading about people who had mental health disorders, um, it was all very middle class. It was all very, they seemed to be quite wealthy people or they were kind of, it was kind of celebrity memoirs and people who had Mm -hmm. a very, very different life from mine. And what I wasn't able to find really and what I needed was how to manage depression when you're working for the minimum wage. Um, How to manage depression when you're you know working in a cafe and absolutely my experience you know I'm a straight white I'm able-bodied and when I I don't react my mental illness doesn't manifest itself in a way that really frightens other people it doesn't manifest itself it doesn't make me harm myself or anyone around me I'm still extremely privileged even though I have, you know, depression and a mental illness that, you know, my own experiences as a straight white woman are completely different, or at least are perceived and received as being very, very different to those in the BAME and LGBT communities. But my therapist does cover my experience um, struggling with depression as when I was working as a cafe manager on minimum wage. And the other thing that it does as well is I really wanted to invite other voices and other experiences to to share the platform with me because you know there are people who don't we don't know what it's like to parents when to parents parent when you're struggling with a mental health issue what is it like to struggle with a mental health issue when you're living in a homeless shelter i'm still not entirely sure how i feel about whether my mental illness is pathological or not? Is it just something that I was born with? Is it it the nature versus nurture thing? I don't know. I take my medication because it stops me from crying at work. But does that mean that if i had all the money all the resources in the world if i had the best therapists at my disposal if i could you know, if i had if i could do every single thing i could to make my physical and mental health the optimum all the time would i still need the medication i don't know maybe not but the fact is i can't take 6 months off work to <laughs> to work on myself not many people can so I take the medication
2: yeah I think that perspective is very much needed I'm literally nodding along even though you can't see me obviously because I relate to it (laughs) I relate to it very hard that's nice to know yeah I think I think you're right like so much what we hear is either very heavily stigmatized Kind of more mm. extreme, or it is a celebrity? Oh, I'll yeah. just go to this very fancy wellness centre and do all of these things, and it'll be fine.
0: And you know, talking and, and broadening the conversation about um, mental health is brilliant, but I do really, really worry about it being co-opted and commodified to sell products. Yes, I did see, uh, um, and in particular, th- we sell wellness to women, in particular, I think, and I mention in the book. That there is a there's a, a wellness website that sells um, mood boosting candles, yeah. and there was this there was a video on the website of a psychologist talking to the website's founder. You, you may be surprised to hear was a wealthy white woman. Mm. Uh, they were talking about the signs of stress. You know, one of which was you know an extra glass of wine in the evening. You know, just casually relating to building addiction and alcoholism and then the website founder turned the camera and said if you're struggling with some of these symptoms our range can help you and it was this range of mood boosting candles and one of them was 300 pounds for a candle and, you know this is you know this is wellness being sold to people who quite literally have money to burn mm. and you know what if you want to spend 300 pounds on a candle absolutely more power to you but I really worry about those kind of things being framed as a as a method of alleviating the symptoms of depression and anxiety particularly because that's seen as a more palatable broadly relatable form of mental illness and I worry that that further stigmatizes the more profound cases of mental illness. So, you know, like, you know, like psychosis, like bipolar, mm. like schizophrenia, because those are the voices that are being excluded from the conversation as it is at the moment, I think.
2: Oh, absolutely. Like the number of like articles and promotional emails I've had that will say like, prioritise self-care and there'll be some fancy pyjamas. It's like, those sound great, but also I need my medication <laughs> and proper therapy.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I love a pair of cozy pajamas as much as the next girl, but I do also need to telepram. Yes, but yeah, there was a lot of that um, during Mental Health Awareness Week as well, which it's constant. When if we go back
2: kind of to the beginning a bit, your shit therapist. What was it about Mm. that that was
0: shit? I think the thing is when you're when you're really ill. I went to my GP and I went, I'm a bit depressed, Mm. and you fill in this form. Um, which goes, you know, have you... It kind of rates your depression from one to five and you kind of tick these these boxes. And I scored really highly. The GP looked at it and went, yeah, you're a bit depressed, mate. (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, cheers. Brilliant. Couldn't have worked that out on my own. And then... So he set me up with some counselling that I had to pay for locally, mm. because the, you know, the, the wait for counselling on the NHS, I think at the time was about six months in my area. It ranges between three months and up to 18 months, mm. depending on where you are in the UK. It's a real lottery, unfortunately. And like most people, I, I couldn't wait. I needed someone to talk to there and then. So I paid to go and see this woman. So you're, you're doing something that you've never done before, investing these people with this kind of superpower because particularly in the UK we don't pay for care we're really lucky the NHS I've, I don't think I've ever had to pay for pay to see somebody before so if you're paying to see someone and you're paying to see someone a, a, a really frightening condition that you don't know a lot about and that you know that people don't talk about because it's really scary there is this you you over invest in them and you you trust them perhaps a lot more than you should so then when they don't reach this superhuman level of of skill and ability and experience and training it's devastating and it can be really really dangerous and the woman I went to see she you know she wasn't just adequate at her job she was really really bad at it and that happened to me at a time when I was at my most vulnerable And that could have been really, really dangerous. And I completely lost faith in kind of talking therapy for a really good while because I thought, no, it doesn't work because I went to see this person and and she hurt me. What she said, how she responded to me really opening up for the first time the way she responded was harmful to me and I don't want to put myself through that again Mm. Um, how did did she respond so one of the things that I told her about was um, at the time I was having really really bad panic attacks luckily I haven't had a panic attack for a really long time now but what did happen when I used to get them was you i don't know if you have a, had a panic attack I or if anyone many had a panic i i was at um, st pancras station which is i think one of the biggest train stations in london mm. and it's kind of that awful labyrinth in, is it an entrance is it an exit who knows there's a Pratt there is it the same one you just saw it's this really terrifying maze and um, I, st- I had a panic attack, and what happens is, it just feels like your lungs just stop working. Mm. It's like having a migraine in your chest and you you just you just double over and you can't go anywhere or do anything and this is this is just it now this is just where i'm going to die and you know a really kind person might bring you a chair but that just means you're going to die sitting down and and then another really kind man just takes your hand and you just kind of cry and get snot all over him because you don't know what else to do and you might hear someone say she's having a panic attack she's you might hear someone say she's having a heart attack and then they try and lose and your clothes, and you're trying to fight them off, but you can't speak. Um, so, uh, but uh, but you know, you, you can understand why they would think that because you're kind of gripping your chest, so you're sending off some mixed signals, and that's understandable. So, I told this woman, "What does it feel like when you're having a panic attack?" And I told her all this, and I told her how isolating it is, and how weak it makes you, and how vulnerable it makes you feel and how how totally disruptive it is and totally debilitating and how frightening it is to have gone from someone who, cause you know, a few weeks before, I was um, actually a producer for a comedy company and I've worked for sort of opera companies and, and different bits and pieces. And basically I've always prided myself on being able to be parachuted anywhere in the country and <laughs> identify what needs to be done and do it i was someone who whatever job i did i was the person who if you needed something doing you come to me and i did it i went from being this very capable very resourceful very unflappable person to not being able to get on the tube because my body wouldn't let me and my brain wouldn't let me so i told my shit therapist this and i didn't know she was shit at the time and um her response was, Ah, okay. The next time you have a panic attack and I thought, this is gonna be brilliant. This is it. This is the nectar. This is what I'm forking over money for. This is what's gonna solve me and solve the problem of me. And this is gonna this is gonna fix me up. This is the strategy that I need. And she said, Well, the next time you think you're gonna have a panic attack, just think about something else. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Jesus Just Christ. Just have a cup of tea and think about something else. Wow. And then she followed it up with, she followed that gem up with, because, you know, there are people who are much worse off than you. Oh my How do people get these jobs? That's what I
2: always wonder when I hear these stories. Just how and why? 20 quid that cost me. Jesus Christ. That's awful.
0: So <laughs> yeah, did, you, really did you go back to her? I did not. Good. I paid her. Mm-hmm. I gave her the twenty. But I handed over the money and said, "Oh, thanks very much. That's great." Yeah. And yeah. Then went home, and then the next day, I just phoned phoned the practice or surgery, or whatever you call it, and and said, "No, I don't want to see her again. She wasn't very good." And then I started seeing another lady who who was much much better. Mm. But then she left the practice, and I just wasn't set up with anyone else. Oh God. And and. A few years later, I a very, very kind friend, when I was working in a cafe, I couldn't afford therapy. I couldn't afford to see someone who was 50 quid an hour. And um, a very, very nice friend paid for it for me. So I started seeing a proper um, psychiatrist for about a year. And that was really helpful. But she was a humanist psychiatrist. And I don't really know what that means. But basically, I would talk to her and she would sort of nod <laughs> and that was it okay. but that was really helpful for me at the time because what what it meant was I could just kind of talk at her mm. And, in a, it was a way of it was a way of kind of unburdening myself and just literally getting all the shit out of my head. But what was really helpful is that she sometimes would say what I just said back to me, then I heard it for the first time. And it's really quite shocking when you when you're confronted by your own thoughts and your own words, when it's externalized, you see it much more clearly. And I, and I never realized how, um, how angry I was, um, how cruel I was being to myself. I never realized that, that I, I, I just never realized that I thought the things that I thought. So that was, that was really helpful. But it's that it's, it's kind of not for everyone. And this is the thing about therapy, it's, it's an expensive thing to try out and get wrong. Mm. But that's the thing you have, that's what you have to do really and there are kind of you know there are primal scream therapists there are hypnotherapists there are gestalt therapists and young young therapists and humanist therapists and all these kind of so many different um, funnels and different types and there are things that you know, I haven't found the the one thing. It's kind of, kind of chasing the one true love thing, isn't it? I haven't found the thing that fits me yet. Mm. Are you in but, therapy now still? No, I'm mm. not at the moment, and that's okay. I still take my medication. I know everyone says it and it's really boring, but exercise oh, does help, don't doesn't say it? That. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. It is true. No. no, but the thing is, I've sort of. Um, I ran a half Mm. marathon about a year and a half ago and was really cocky and really proud of myself and then just didn't do it anymore because I was like, well, that's done. I did the exact same thing. ran a
2: marathon last year. have not exercised at all since.
0: Not smart. I know, but I know that I should because I know it's going to make me feel better. I know it's going to make me feel better if I do it. And yet... It's just not, it just hasn't become a thing yet. I just miraculously want someone else to do it for me, but that's not going to happen. Sadly is not.
2: I wish it were possible. So, I know. So
0: if you great, right now, your it?
2: main kind of coping, looking after yourself is exercise and medication. Is there anything else that you do to look after yourself?
0: Having gone through one major depressive episode sort of six years ago, six years ago, um, I know what my warning signs are and for me it's it's extreme fatigue and it's a kind of, it's. I can feel everything slowing down. It's a very, very odd thing to describe, but I can feel everything slowing down around me and I can feel um, a dimming, everything feels... I feel like I'm getting smaller and less able and more vulnerable and everything else in the world is turned up. So it's louder and brighter and closer and bigger. There's that. (laughs) But when when that happens, it's kind of forward planning um kind of crisis managing and I'm quite good at that so for example actually recently actually a couple of weeks ago I had some dental work and the dentist gave me some antibiotics And I thought, brilliant, take those, why not? And a few days later, I started to feel really, really grim. And I thought, okay, so what am I eating? I need to make sure I go, like, when I go to work, I'm just going to come straight home, have something to eat and get into bed. I'm just going to nest and start to really, really look after myself. And then, when I gradually got worse over the last couple of next couple of days, and I started getting on one day, I got really, really upset at work. And the thing is, when you're having depression or having ansi- anxiety, I knew that what I was experiencing, like the, the the heightened emotion and the the tearfulness and the anxiety, was totally disproportionate and not related to what I was ex- experiencing at my desk at work on that day. So I knew it was a problem. So yeah, I, I asked really nicely if I could work from home for the rest of the day. And they were absolutely fine. And that weekend, I absolutely cleared the decks. Like I made sure I had nothing to do. Like properly nothing it was brilliant and I pretty much just stayed in bed all weekend had some lovely cries have a lovely little uh, cathartic cry that was very nice and made sure that I ate well and made sure that I spoke to Um, my family and so it's my friends so that I wasn't feeling isolated made sure I was really like there were people on standby if I needed them but for me I feel like it's best to just sort of burrow Mm. away and let it pass Um, but I didn't feel alone because I was talking to my sisters and my friends and my parents I'm really lucky as well that I work in a job where I've been able to be really open about my mental health so I was able to text my boss and say Um, and actually email and say, look, I'm having a response to these antibiotics. So after I came home from work on that day, I thought, "Okay, what's changed? Am I eating? Am I sleeping well? Have I been doing exercise? Um, And I realized that what had changed was taking these antibiotics. So I Googled them and I Googled the name of my antidepressants And the first thing that came up was do not mix these two medications because you will have a severe reaction. So essentially, these antibiotics had cancelled out my my antidepressant and I was massively in withdrawal because I'd just been coming off them for a week without realising. That was, I mean, I was still having to experience the withdrawal, which is horrible but i but i had a reason i had a tangible you're having a reaction to this so that was really comforting so all i all i could do really was write it out so i phoned the dentist and explained and they said that, that i was okay to stop taking the antibiotics i got to liveroo so that i didn't have to leave the house And made sure I was eating healthily, not drinking any alcohol, because that would have been a terrible idea. Uh, I was able to send an email and go, look, guys, I've had this response to my antibiotics. I'm okay. I don't need you to do anything or take any action at the moment. But I'd really appreciate it if I could work from home for a couple of days. They said, absolutely, that's fine. So I was able, so I had my laptop with me and I was able to do my job exactly as I would have in the office. But... I was at home. I, you know, had my headphones on. I could just, mm. just sort of nest and really look after myself. I feel like that's and Focus the on my genuine
2: self care, like not the pajama version. I mean, I mean, I counts, was in my pajamas,
0: but like that's the genuine <laughs> self care that people actually yeah. need. Yeah, and actually, it's um, it's involving yeah. other people in that. Because I get that not everyone can or wants to be, be open about their mental health, um, at work in particular, but. I I can't stress how much how much better it's been for me just to, th- just to acknowledge it and have that weight lifted. There's a bit in the book where I say that I, a couple of years ago, I was going through a bit of a rough patch and I just emailed my boss and said, look, just so you know, I've been struggling with depression and anxiety this week. I don't need you to take any action at the moment. I don't need to take any time off. I don't need you to take any work away from me. I don't need you to reduce my workload. I don't need you to take any action at all. I just want to acknowledge it because then you know that I, I feel like my work has been substandard mm-hmm. on this particular day and I want you to know that this is why. Um, I'm going to see my therapist on Monday as usual and I'm going to um, review my medication. If there's anything I need you to do in the future, I'll let you know. And my boss emailed me back straight away and said, That's so thanks so much for letting me know. If there's anything we can do, let us know. Just having acknowledged it was was just like a big sigh of relief because it's bad enough having depression and anxiety but the pressure of having to hide it and that constant pressure of um, I'm not good enough, my work is suffering, this isn't good enough, they're gonna know they're gonna sack me because I'm not I'm not doing as well as that person and I'm not doing my work to the standard of this person and everyone knows that I'm the weakest link and blah 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 blah. Just having just acknowledging that and having that lifted, it it helps immeasurably and I really, really advocate doing that at work. And even if you don't feel like you can do that, find maybe looking for another job hmm. where you I
2: think you can one of the things that, that. You're, you've said is how important it is to actually be open and speak up. And I think that's quite impressive considering that your first experience hmm. wasn't great. How do you um, do? You have any advice for people who are maybe reluctant to open up because they've had a bad experience, or they're just worried about getting that kind of bad reaction?
0: Oh God, it's so hard. And it's uh, as much as as much as I say it is better if if you can be open and honest. Um, I completely appreciate that not everybody can. What I would say, if you feel like there's there's absolutely no one else you can turn to called the samaritans i've done that before just having some just having someone to listen just having someone be present with you when you're at your worst helps more than anything else even if that person isn't you know that person might not be saying anything any more, any more than it's okay you're fine you're safe for 40 minutes just having that connection to another human and to the present moment and to this world is invaluable and i think that's the i think that's the first step it's talking to a stranger and then talk and then hopefully introducing those conversations to the people who are closest to you completely agree so this is goodbye
2: From mentally, 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 mentally yours, mentally yours, mentally yours. Mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've discussed today, please contact the Samaritans on 116 123 or go to the website at samaritans.org. If you enjoyed this show, please give us a rate and review on iTunes and come join us on Facebook in our Facebook group Mentally Yours or on Twitter at MentallyyrS. Thanks very much to our producer Juliet Nichols and Sam Bonham and to Lucy Baker for the jingles. See you next week.